Welcome back to Stepping Into CI, our different podcast over comprehensible input and instruction. Um, today we are doing, as promised, a special interview of the Bob Patrick. Who? The Bob Patrick. Did you know huh. there was a man named Bob Patrick? I heard the name before, but I wasn't sure what to do with it. All right, move yeah. on, move on, move on. Uh, uh, highlighting his keynote speech that he just uh, gave last weekend at the 2017 Comprehensible Midwest Conference. So. Great to be here Yay. and to talk about this wonderful conference. We're happy to have you. Yeah, I have to tell you that it was one of the best professional development conferences I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot of conferences. And that's not to say that the others have been shabby, because that's not true at all. But this one, I'll tell you, um, it was it was on the one hand physically and mentally exhausting day. Um, after all the travel to get to Wisconsin, um, the conference started at 830 and ended sometime after 530, almost six o'clock in the evening. And so it was physically and mentally exhausting, but here's why I think it worked so well. Um, Grant Boulanger, who spearheaded this conference. French teacher, right? No, Spanish no. teacher with a oh, French name. With a How about French that? Name. Um, from the beginning, was able to articulate the vision for this conference. The subtext of the conference, Comprehensible Midwest, was equity, inclusivity, and personalization. I like and that. you yes. know from those three words that that rings all kinds of bells, good bells for us. And what it did, in my opinion, was put out to teachers all over the country, this is what we're gathering for. And so what actually happened was that almost 200 teachers from all over the country, but mostly from the Midwest, gathered looking for equity, inclusivity, and personalization in their classrooms. So, I mean, it, to have 200 people arrive looking for the same thing, That's awesome. it, it is re it's really awesome. And it changed the feeling of the conference from the very beginning. And it just permeated throughout the day. There was a moment when um, mid-morning, uh, Grant and um, a couple of others of us were, were sitting out in the main lobby. And three teachers approached and said, our principal sent us here specifically for equity and inclusivity in the classroom. Can you tell us which one of the breakout sessions is going to cover that? And we had the delight of saying all of them. Every single thing that happened all day long. Obviously, variety in different angles, but mm -hmm. focusing on these issues. Somehow there was really great communication there, too, if their principal yeah. knew about it. Because generally speaking, we know about these language conferences, but nobody else does. Yeah. And I'll tell you, on that score, I was also impressed. Um, so their principal sent them because their school was focusing on those kinds of things. Um, and I'm, I'm going to use this as a seg into the, um, the keynote. Um, the principal of the Ripon High School um, that sponsored this came to me afterwards specifically to thank me for the content of the, the keynote, and he stayed all day. 
the principal stayed for this workshop for the conference all day long. It was in and out of workshops and interacting. So um, it was it was pretty amazing. And having a theme like that makes it really clear. You know, sometimes you get themes that are a little vague. Or huge. Or huge. Huge, huge and right. vague, yeah. It was fairly specific and fairly clear. Well, it was clearly a workshop or a conference of workshops um, that were comp comprehensible input based. There was no question about that. Right. Nobody was doing anything else or other than comprehensible input. But the the um, equity, inclusivity, and personalization really helped presenters focus <laughs> what that looks like in a CI classroom. So it was my delight. Um, to be asked to deliver the keynote address. And so I want to just kind of describe to you um, what I offered. And I'll tell you ahead of time, because now I know it, it was really well received. Um, it gave me the delightful position of many conversations through the day as, as, you know, people came up to talk about what they heard and what they benefited from. I started um, with Ovid. Why not, right? Um, and Good place to start. And used Ovid um, to make the point or, or to, to create a, a kind of a subtext to my presentation that, that we have experiences, and I think that Comprehensible does this all the time, but that we have experiences sometimes where the sum is greater than, than the, that, that the experience is greater than the sum of the parts. That, that what happens when we teach with Comprehensible Input and some other things that I want to talk about, um, when we make, for instance, equity and inclusivity and personalization um, prime factors in our classrooms, what happens with students and with us is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, so that was, that was kind of a subtext that I offered from the beginning. And then I began by telling them our story here at Parkview. Um, you know, I told them about 13 years ago being the only teacher and 130 students and, and four levels, um, with a, a, a retention rate from Latin one to Latin four that was like 0.1%. Um, I told them that it was largely a white and Asian program um, and that that really is not Gwinnett County, that Gwinnett County is this incredibly multicultural place. I told them, I asked them, you know, what do you think the, the second most spoken language in, in Gwinnett County is besides English? Of course, they all guess Spanish. And as we know, it's Korean. Yeah, um, that that we have the second largest Hindu temple outside of India, two miles from our school, mm -hmm. that we have Majids, the uh, Islamic study centers all over the county, um, as well as the local Baptist churches that you would expect right. to find in the south. Well, so, we as a county are more diverse than New York City. We are. We and and I'm, I'm, we're the most diverse county. We're the most diverse um, school system, I believe, in the United States. Exactly. Well, that's at least at least that's been been claimed a, a time or two. Um, so anyway, that to, to set that kind of background for our program and to say that um, you know there was some work to be done um, with with a Latin program that was really kind of protected on the one hand by my predecessor, um, who did a great job of introducing Latin to Parkview and keeping it going, um, but but which also was sequestered to a certain uh, student body. Um, so I just told them, you know, that I came in the door with comprehensible input and that four years later, that was the only thing being done in the, in the program because it kind of grew through the program. Um, and then I told them about how each of you came on board 
um, that uh, Caroline, of course, was our, the, the first uh, teacher that we needed and that that we experimented the, the, the second year that Caroline was here with finding those students who fall through the gaps mm-hmm. and creating a special Latin one class that Caroline taught that year. It was wildly successful. All those kids succeeded and then blended into the rest of our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when Rachel came on board um, shortly after that, the intention was to let Rachel teach one of those classes. But but we discovered that we really didn't need a special class right. anymore, that we really, um, by using comprehensible input with an intention to be um, to reach out to all kinds of learners, that really they were being successful in all of our classrooms. Right. Um, I told them about um, the special ed department uh, indicating to us that, um, that that Latin was an easy placement for them and sort of the go-to language. And one of the realizations that I had, and this is something that we talk about all the time now, is what co- what accommodations are the special ed department asking us to make that we're not already making for all of our classes? Right. Exactly. I, you know, I always look at the paper that they give us. But I rarely have to go, oh, I'll have to keep that in mind because it's all these things that I would do naturally. Or the conversation and the meeting goes, you know, is he he taking advantage of X, Y, Z? And we go, well, that's hard to answer because everyone takes advantage of that. Right. Yes. Right. Let's go with yes. Yeah. So, so, so I think we're at the place now where we're conducting classes in a way that accommodate everybody, everybody. all kinds yeah. of learners. So I, I gave them, I said, let me just give you the example of the kind of, in terms of special ed spread that we're looking at. This year, I have four sections of Latin because I'm the department chair, so I have one less than everybody else. So out of the 121 students that I'm teaching, um, through the day, which, by the way, I have to say, 121 students is like a full load in 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 the real world. Yeah. Um, but it's a small load in our world because mm-hmm. the full the, the the full load sometimes is between 150 and 180 students. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but with my 121, um, 22 of my students have an IEP or a 504. Mm-hmm. That's almost 20 percent of my students, right. um, and it's working. I mean, they're being successful. And, and to me, that's another indicator of how this focus on using the, the, the principles of comprehensible input with an intention to reach out to all kinds of learners is working. Well, and how many schools are students that have learning disabilities or difficulties discouraged from even taking another language, much right. less? Much less Latin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, to, to, to whisk it along, Rachel came on board, and then a couple of years later, Miriam came on board, and then a couple of years later, Keith came on board, and last year, we know Caroline retired, and this year, we've welcomed um, John Folk uh, to our fold. Um, we are now, 13 years later, um, that 130 students has become 700 students, the one teacher has become five teachers, and the program that was largely white and Asian actually looks like the face of our school. We we did the demographic work last year and we know that percentage wise, everyone at Parkview is equally represented in the Latin program and actually in our foreign language department, which I'm very proud of. Um, Our retention rate is now somewhere between 40 and 60% from Latin one to Latin four, depending upon the year and other factors that we don't have any control over. Um, We are teaching 23% of the school in Latin. We're teaching 23% of the school, and our 
our, as I said, our program looks like the rest of the school. So I told the story. That's our story. Those are the quick stats of our story. And then I, I had uh, four little subsections that I focused on. The first one, comprehensible, compelling, and caring. And, and if I'm honest, these are really all four sections. Comprehensible, uh, compelling, and, and caring. And, um, you know, I told them that if I'm being honest, the dirty little secret that I walk around is, is that it's really not the Latin that drives me. It, Latin happens to be the language that I teach, and I certainly have a certain love for it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone and gotten a PhD in it. And and you all can appreciate why one doesn't do that unless <laughs> one is, you know, particularly fond of the language. But the truth is, in terms of language, I've studied lots of languages. Mm -hmm. um, I took Spanish and Latin in high school. I majored in Greek and minored in Hebrew in college. Um, I've studied on my own Sanskrit and German and French and Italian. I, I love languages. I went back after I started teaching and got a, a major in Spanish. So languages interest me like, a, like they do a lot of language teachers. Um, but here's what it is about this work that, that, that I do and that I'm passionate about, the most important element of any hour that any of us teach are the people in the room. Mm -hmm. It's the people in the room. And for most of us, that group of people changes, you know, every hour. The bell rings and that group of people walks out and another group of people walks in. And, and it really doesn't matter what your lesson plan is until you take into consideration who the people are in the room. Right. Um, the lesson plan might work. It might not work. Um, and what you do with that conundrum, it might work well first period and second period and not fly at all third period. Yeah. yeah. So what you do with that conundrum determines something about the culture in your classroom. Right. The culture in your classroom. So um, we... Um, I want to tell a story about a student that I've got who came into my classroom two weeks late. Came in two weeks late, and I was—I had just assumed that he wasn't going to show up at all. And then on the Monday of the third week of school, the door flies open, and this young man says, Hey, brah, I'm in your class. <laughs> and I said, Hey, brah, here's a chair. So he came in and, and got settled in the class, um, and we made some initial connections that first day. Well, a week ago, he comes in on a Friday, and he comes up and he says, i got to go to the bathroom. And I said, well, we have two problems. Number one is you didn't ask me in Latin, and it's on the wall. And number two, you just got here. Now you're asking me to leave. I said, can you at least stay till we finish our special student interview? And then I'll let you go. And he agreed that he would do that. And... He turned as he was walking away and said to another student, I'm going to piss myself. So I got him settled down and seated, and we went on with our special student interview. And when we finished, I turned to him and I said, E ad latrinum, go to the bathroom. And before he could turn away, I said, Ed noli te mingera. <laughs> and he turned around and he said, Say what? And I said, Noli te mingera. Don't piss yourself. Well, that. That made him hysterical with laughter, and everybody else started laughing. It's kind of dangerous to be worried about that. It is. It is. <laughs> laughing, right? Um, I told that class they were the only ones that I had taught that phrase to, and that was true, that they were special. Um, 
but 32 students instantly acquired Nolita Mingri. It's all about the people in the classroom. Mm. Um, there can be that student that gets on your last nerve every single day before you finish taking the role. But you make it one day at a time and you make it with the people who are in the room, not the people who are coming in next hour or the people who just left. It's the people who are in the room. So I am convinced that using comprehensible input creates some of those conditions to create a humane culture in our classrooms. At Parkview, we talk about this all the time and you all know that. If we keep bringing ourselves back to CI principles, they support the kind of humane, joyful culture that we want to create in our classrooms. So one day, you, Rachel, and I told the conference this, if, if I recall correctly, we were having one of our little powwows, and you put it together as our three C's. It's lamentable that somebody already has a five C's out there. Uh, it's inconvenient. <laughs> because these three, I'm, I'm actually convinced these three are better. Maybe we should write a um, So. For us, it, in our program, in our school, it comes down to this. Everything that we do needs to be comprehensible, it needs to be compelling, and it needs to be caring. Mm -hmm. It needs to be caring. And it's that caring piece that, cinches, for me, cinches the intentional creation of a classroom culture that supports all kinds of learners. So across 28 years, I am continually reminded of something that is so essential that it's sort of humiliating that I have to keep learning it, and it's this. If we, we have no idea what it is that an individual student is walking in the door with yeah. every day. Every day. So I've recently been drawn to this research on ACEs. Do you all know what ACEs are? What are ACEs? ACEs, <laughs> Adverse Childhood Experiences. Adverse Childhood Experiences. And there's this incredible research that's been done. It's powerful. It's big. It's undeniable. They've identified 10 different kinds of experiences that qualify as ACEs. ACEs are so traumatic that they actually change the human brain in children. The frontal cortex where decision-making happens and where self-control happens and they change DNA. And the research shows that 67% of us are walking around this world having experienced at least one adverse childhood experience. They have discovered that if any child experiences four or more ACEs, and if there's no intervention, drug abuse, depression, and suicide rates for those children go through the roof by the time they're young adults. And likewise, here's the good news, interventions and best practices for those children change the brain and human DNA for the positive. So there's real hope in that. Well, here's the kicker. ACEs know no ethnic, cultural, or socioeconomic boundaries. Every single student sitting in every classroom is a likely victim of ACE, of adverse childhood experiences. And you can do the math, 67%. If you've got a class of 30, you know, 18, 19, or 20 of those kids are likely victims of adverse childhood experiences and are suffering the results of it. So um, when I look around second language teachers who are doing incredibly good work, I see this one thing in common. They are intentionally creating a classroom culture that supports all kinds of learners. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I'll tell you a story that one of my grad students tells me, this particular student is um, a native of China, and she said that she remembered, I asked them to remember their 
the teachers that they wanted to be most influenced by. That, uh, and, and she recalled this fifth grade math teacher, fifth grade math teacher. And she said, um, my math teacher couldn't create a feeling culture. That's the way she put it, which I thought was a great, a great way to put it. She said, because there were 80 of us in the classroom, 80 fifth graders taking math. And she said, but every single test he gave on the last question of the test was, tell me how you're doing. And she said, she, to this day, she remembers that teacher because she knew through that question he was attempting to reach out in a classroom of 80. Yeah. So, so, so that was, that, that was the, the first section of the, of the keynote. The second section, actually the second, because I told about Parkview. The third was um, how to create the culture. Yeah. That reaches out to all kinds of students. And I just want to say really quick, I think that there are a lot of conversations going on right now in the listservs and Facebook group communities that speak to these issues that we all deal with in oh, the yeah. classroom. Oh, yeah. And I think what you're talking about, like, fits perfectly in with those conversations that are still ongoing at sure. this moment. Sure, sure. So, you know... I, if you teach, if even if you teach a language where um, there's nowhere in the world the language is spoken, <clears throat> Latin, you can still create a culture inside your room that supports all kinds of learners. And even if you can take your students to multiple countries in the world where your language is spoken, I would say that you still must create a culture in your classroom that supports all kinds of learners, because. We as teachers are the source of this culture, whether we like it or not. And I know plenty of teachers who are really uncomfortable with the notion that somehow we have to create a culture, but we yeah. do. That's yeah. the reality. And and here's the here's the, the maybe let's let it be a little scary for a minute. The scary part: you're going to create a culture in your classroom whether you try or not. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we might as well be intentional. And here's some questions that I offer for teachers to ponder in thinking about what kind of a culture they're creating in their classroom. So what do you do to begin to get to know or know better these people in the room? Um, it may be through some formal steps. It might be information cards. It might be this little thing we call circling with balls where they draw pictures of a pet they would like to have or uh, something they would like to learn to play or a pet they do have or something they do play. Also it, called card discussions. Card discussions, card yeah. Discussions, yeah. card talk. Card talk. Card talk. I called them personal cards because I was not yep. playing circling with balls on my board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so they're called lots of things, but but it's yeah. a great device, yeah. you know, because yeah. you ask them for something that's safe but personal, yeah. and that's how you be. It could be Discipolis Illustris, the special student interview. Great. I'm going to quickly just interject that we got the circling with balls from Ben Slavin. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for that. Video. Thank you we for that. We don't actually use balls at all in ours, but yeah. it comes from that because he actually did use up all of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm glad you... I'm glad and that's, you and that's why the name has actually changed again, yeah. is now most people use cards instead of um, balls, and so it... Yeah. And, and changes again. And and uh, Discipulous Illustrious is a special student. Let's do that shout out to Bryce Hedstrom. Oh, yeah, we, absolutely. We stole that La from him. Especial. Yeah. Um, it, it could be something more informal, um, but just as intentional. I call it noticing. Um, and it's noticing a facial expression or a hair change or coming in on crutches or an interesting T-shirt or Returning after an absence, right. you know, I mean, yeah. I know it, it's really easy for teachers to get frustrated with a, a student who comes in after an absence. 
almost feeling like they've done something to us, right? By being yeah. absent. But the, the reality is we don't know why they were out. Um, and just noticing that they're back with a little bit of joy makes yeah. a huge difference. Um, noticing matters. And, and the, the things that we notice can be myriad. Um, what we do with noticing could turn into a story. Johnny broke his leg. Oh, no. And then that becomes, especially if we've noticed that it's okay with Johnny to be the center oh, of attention, yes, right? right. <laughs> and so, um, but it, if it's not okay, then our noticing could just remain a private conversation between us and the student. You know, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, my grandma died. Right. That's not going to be today's story, right? No. no. But 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 to express some sympathy, you know, right. um, did you were you close to your grandma? Did you live near her? Had she had she been sick? You know, whatever it happens to be, whatever feels safe with the student, and just to express sympathy yeah. is a connection now that you have with yeah. that student, and it's creating a culture of caring. Yeah. And I was going to say, I'll say that when you create that, the kids they pick up on what you're doing and they do it back. Yep, like the kids will, will say, you know, back to you that I get, I use the reservist remind to send my kids messages at home. If I'm not here and I didn't tell them beforehand, I will get messages. Miss Patrick, you're not here today. Is everything okay? Sure. Right. sure. Miss Patrick, you're here, but doctor, you're, you're not here, but Dr. Patrick is, does he know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's right. a, So that's a sign that you, right. you've created a culture of caring that works. Yeah. You know, in one of my more active classes, um, in the midst of one day where I'm, I'm literally like juggling students because there are certain students that have to be stood over in yeah. this class. Yeah. Um, one of my young ladies said, you know, you, you are, I think, one of the best teachers because you really listen to us and you seem to know what, what we are and what we need. Oh. Yeah. And that's because... You know, and that means that that has stood out. So they notice, even if you think they're not noticing the fact sure. you care, oh, they notice. They notice. Sure, and that kind of feedback lets you know that there is a culture that right. you established, and they and, and they, they notice when you don't. Yeah, that's true. So here's that some more true. questions to, for us to ponder. Um, how important is it to you to get to know students? How, how important is it to you to get to know students and to make those connections? Can you, for instance, set aside the instructional calendar? if you need to, so that you can get to know these people who are in the room. Mm -hmm. Do you have the freedom to set aside the instructional calendar? Do you have the freedom to make getting to know students part of the instructional calendar? Yes. Right. I mean, so those are, and, and people will be in different circumstances, but still have to decide what they're going to do with those kinds of issues. What will you do to let them get to know you? Do you have oh, yeah. personal mantras? Do you have sayings? Do you have habits? Do you have quirks that you know come into the room with you that you can use to let them get to know about you? Um, recently, after asking a couple of boys to stop a side conversation while I was telling the story, I said to them, um, why don't you just take your conversation outside? Uh, and and, and let... so, so I was... Um, I, I just said to these two boys, take that conversation outside um, and so that the rest of us can enjoy this story. And one of them looked back at me and said, aren't you setting us up? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, yeah, you said take our conversation outside. But if we go outside, aren't you going to turn us into the administration for leaving the room? Wow. And he went, yeah, yeah. Horrible. It is horrible. And I said, I, so I stopped the lesson plan. I set it aside for a minute and I said, look, you guys have been with me now for 
five or six weeks, and I said, what you don't yet know about me is that I don't do tricks. I said, I'm not ever here to trick you. I said, I really meant it. I meant if that conversation you're having is more important than the story that I'm telling, take it outside and finish it so that we can continue to do what we're here to do. But I'm never going to set you up to trick you. And his buddy next to him said, I believe I respect you more today. So, you know, it was it was a tough moment. It wasn't a happy moment. But it advanced the culture of the classroom a little bit. There's a little more trust in the room today. Um, So here's some more questions. Who's not included in the culture that you are creating? And I I just, that's not accusatory. That's self-reflection for all of us. Um, exclude someone without ever knowing it. Yeah, and we, we all walk around with blinders on that we're unaware of. If they're blinders, you're not aware, right? right. So If you build the culture when that happens, and it happens, they will feel comfortable enough to come up to you and say, hey, I feel X today yeah. because of Y or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've out of my own experience, I ask, are students of color missing or present in your in, in the culture of your classroom? And if they're not there, what's standing in the way? I mean, if you're, and, and this is my language, if you're a light brown person like I am, who do you know? Or I'm sorry, what do you know? Or more importantly, what do you not know about cultures of people who are darker brown? Mm-hmm. How does race inform your own story? And if it doesn't, and look, here's the deal. Most white people in this country have whitewashed race out of their own family stories. Then if you if, if race is not a part of your own story, how can race, which students of color can't escape, be a part of the culture of your classroom? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a as, as a as a teacher friend said to me, I've started and she she's lighter brown like I am. She says, I've started mm-hmm. introducing myself when people ask me to tell my story. I say, well, I was raised in a white family. And she said, and, and of course it goes on. But but people, you know, snicker at that. But we snicker because we've taken race out of our stories. Right. And she said, I'm trying to put race back into my story so that other people will feel welcome to do that. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Um, how about LGBTQ students? Can you set aside the lesson plan when it's necessary to talk about how we use words? Things like that's so gay or that's so retarded. You know, LGBTQ students swim in a sea of derogatory words all day long. Yeah, they do. And... I just wonder, can they not have at least one room every day where they get some relief from it all? Can they have at least one teacher who says out loud that it's not okay to make jokes at the expense of others and say that it's safe to be lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgendered in your room because all of the people in this room are respected and treated with honor? So we can, with our words and our actions, create a culture of safety in our rooms, because when we are silent about these things, mm-hmm. and a lot of and a lot of us remain silent because we feel like we're going to be controversial if we do this, but our silence speaks, and our silence itself creates a culture. Yeah. I always, I whenever that stuff, well, whenever something like that comes up, and it's usually a kid who doesn't know the history or has is so so separated from it that they don't realize what they've done. Is that I, I and I, I had this conversation with a kid last year who he would just say to me, it's just words. It's just words. And I said, I said, aren't there words that if I were to use them right now would upset you? Yeah. 
Yep. And he and he was like, no. And I said, really? And um, and then he he admitted that there was a word. And I said, yeah. And I said, I said, and you use words against other people all the time. And I just tell them, you know, it doesn't it has to be a safe, safe, safe space for everyone. That includes you. Yeah. Includes everyone exactly. else, too. Exactly. Um, sometimes if I have to confront an offender <laughs> against the safety of my own room, I will end the conversation by saying, and I would defend you. Right around this very issue mm -hmm. if you were the one who were being offended. So um, so a, a couple more considerations. What about students with adverse childhood experiences? My experience is that some of those kids end up going on what we call here homebound services. That's where the student stays at home, they don't come to school, and a special teacher from the system visits them once or twice a week with assignments. Um, it's certainly not the ideal learning setting, but it is a setting where students who are overwhelmed by their 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 childhood experiences um, can continue to make progress in education but my experience is that a lot of those kids end up dropping language because language teachers um, are not prepared to deal with homebound circumstances so you know one of the questions that I ask myself and I ask other teachers is do you have a plan for that student? who might go on homebound services. And what about special ed? We start, We talked about that earlier. What accommodations are you being asked to make that you don't already make for everyone in the room? If you can let, if you can let that question guide how you create the culture in your room, it would, be, it, it would just be amazing how many things it takes care of. For me, it just makes sense. Too, if this is going to help a student, what if it helps other students? Why am I yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's look real quickly at how the three C's, com comprehensible, compelling, and caring, can help us create a culture in the classroom that supports all kinds of learners. Look what comprehensible does. It takes away any inclination I might have to pose a trick. I mentioned that a minute ago. A trick in a reading that I might give to them. For example, we've been using the verb ire, to go, for weeks now in Latin one. You know, if I were a trickster, I might say, well, if they were paying attention, they'd know that re dire is just to go with the particle back added to it to make it go back or return. But that's a trick. And the comprehensible piece prevents me from going there. Look what the compelling piece does. It helps me set aside any sort of curricular tradition which says, in the first year, we always focus on or read or study or emphasize and it encourages me to listen for and watch for what students lean into. The compelling piece reminds me to listen to the questions they're asking about a story or about an idea or about a word. It reminds me to use their questions as the portal into meaning making rather than insist on blasting through solid rock with my well-prepared materials. Um, for me, the caring piece rattles my stubborn streak. I've worked hard. I've planned well. I've left school completely worn out so many days in a row now, and in walks a student absent for five days like nothing has changed and asks, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, we've waited for you. Well, the caring piece won't let me just allow that student who is adrift to keep drifting. It won't let me allow the cantankerous student who seems to go to sleep with a vengeance just to keep sleeping. The caring piece has heard me say too many times, but I can't teach you when you're asleep. 
What's going on? Why are you so sleepy every day? Why aren't you getting enough sleep at night? And that caring piece opens portals of its own that allow me to see into their lives, even if it's a little bit. And some days, after looking through some of those portals, I wonder how they bear it, how they keep showing up, even if it's just to fall asleep. Yeah. So, comprehensible, compelling, and caring. It's a final story that I'll offer here. One day, in my first year of teaching, I was reading through journals that I was asking students to keep. It was, in retrospect, about trying to get to know them better. I had asked them some version of this. Tell me about what's going on in your life today. And I decided to read a few before I went home for the day, and so I picked up Fred's journal. He'd scratched out in very difficult hand how horrible the world was, how sad he was, and how he had come to buy a gun, which was in his book bag. That gun was his solution. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, 28 years later, still wow. Absolutely. So I, I went running through the school after the dismissal bell, three story school, looking for Fred, and I found Fred. And the short of it is that with the counselor's help, and his family, Fred got into some counseling and found his way. Fred is now a 40-something, successful in his profession, politically active in his community, living in a major West Coast city. So every time I see a message from him on Facebook, it makes me smile. He's still in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing his part to make the world a better place. And I got to be part of that. Right. That's, mm-hmm. you know... What I do matters. What you do matters. And Fred reminds me of that all the time, even though 27 years later, we have never talked about that day again. Yeah. It, it was just that thing that happened in that moment. And I know, I know that Fred is lighter brown like I am. I know that Fred came from an affluent enough family. And I know that today in our schools, if a teacher with lighter brown skin were to read in a journal belonging to, let's say, Jamal, with darker brown skin, that he had a gun, the counselor would be more likely to call the police for an arrest right. than to help Jamal get psychological counseling. Mm-hmm. Unless the teacher insisted that Jamal needed help, right. not a jail cell. So we have we have a role. We have work to do. We have so much work to do in this country. There are so many ways... Even singular acts that can make a difference. We have that kind of power. And here's the thing. We are all always going to create a classroom culture, even when we make no attempt at all. Teachers, despite all of the administrativa horribilia that comes down on us, we have a lot of power. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Um So, you know, if we make no attempt at all, we're going to, by our presence, by our words, by our actions, create a classroom culture. With no intention to do otherwise, we will teach the way we were taught. Yep. And all of us, regardless of our backgrounds, arrive where we are right now by means of an American cultural system that favors my shade of brown over darker shades of brown. It just does. And it does so deeply and devastatingly. So let's be clear. We are creating classroom cultures all the time, but we have found our way into this work, comprehensible input, 
we've discovered buried treasure that uh, of what can happen when we make everything that we do comprehensible to everybody in the room, mm-hmm. everything that we do compelling to everybody in the room in a, in an atmosphere that is caring for everybody in the room, especially, especially that one student who will get on your last nerve before you can finish taking the role every day. Yep. Yep. Yes. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, right. right. We come in every morning and sprinkle the dust, the CI dust over right, the classroom. Right. That's hard work. Yeah, it's yeah. hard work. Yeah. 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 You're right. No, you. I mean, we often talk about this. You're doing a lot of the hard work on the front end, and the payoff is on the back end. That's what. That's why retention rates are so much bigger, right? Yeah. They want to stay around. And, and look, I just want to revisit that subtext. We, we experience how what happens in our classroom is greater than the sum of the parts. Look, I, I, I spent a couple of hours on, on Facebook last night uh, talking with a couple of younger new, new teachers who are distraught. It's October and nothing they're doing is working, quote unquote. And they feel like they're a disaster. And here's the thing. When you when you are doing work that's comprehensible and compelling and caring, you can walk out thinking, "What a horrible day," and still, good stuff comes from yeah. it. The yeah. next day or the next week or the next month, the kid walks in and comes out with something that you know happened that horrible day where nothing seemed to work right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I knew you were in there. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing it right now with the, the, the threes. I had such a, I had a really hard year last year, particularly spring semester, really difficult. Yeah. There were a lot of X, like a lot of factors all at once, uh, ended up taking on an extra class of students who had been with a long-term sub and, um, even though they'd had me for first year, <laughs> it was, you know, com- and, and students who, who had you who weren't speaking to me still sure. in spring sure. <laughs> because well, they had well, Rachel. <laughs> well, it, it is, it, it is the, um, a lot of the, a lot of the realities of creating caring culture is that they want to stay with us and us. Right. right. And we all deal with that. And part of the whole adverse childhood experience thing is that, that having to change a class mm-hmm may just be that thing that sends some of them over the edge, you know. You don't have control. I can't decide who's in my can't sure. change this. Sure. No, but I mean like I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it now, you know, in their in their attitudes and everything. And I had a conversation with um someone the other day and we just talked about, you know, how things have changed and, um, 
and how that particular person is feeling now and how it's demonstrating itself through their actions. And um, it was a really nice conversation. But I, and then I'm also seeing it in their in their Latin level, too. I asked, I've asked a lot of them this year. We went outside and played a game, and they were in Latin from the moment we stepped outside the door. And I, and I emailed this to you guys. This student stayed afterwards, and she said, I don't want to say this in front of everyone because they'll give me a hard time. And I thought, I thought, oh, no, she's going to say that no one stayed in Latin and that I messed up. And she said that she really enjoyed she said she enjoyed the challenge and that it was a good challenge and that that I had built a community in here where they were supported enough that when we walked out, they still felt that yeah. way. Yeah. Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. It's true. Often until years later, you might hear from, but you might not. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. Well, listen. I mean, this this was so. That's that's what we did at the conference. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do a future ad for which I am not being paid. Next year, if you hear about the uh, Comprehensible Midwest Conference and you can get yourself to it, it's going to be in Milwaukee next year. I would strongly advise start saving your pennies now. It's uh, it's well worth the weekend that you'll spend doing it. This episode brought to you by, and I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Well, no, and uh, um, so to to finish us out, this was a, a special a special episode. Next week we return to next two weeks we return to business as usual. We'll be talking about the question of compellingness which is part of this. It's a great lead in um, how we address that, why it's important and then why it's important because it's two different things. Um, and then the following week, following time, <laughs> we're going to have another special episode. We'll actually be interviewing our new teacher, John, on this is his first year as a full time teacher on his own. Um, and uh, he came into a fully CI program. So we'll be talking to him about how that's going. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, he's awesome. He's awesome. And the kids, the kids already love him. I've got, I've got his kids in my advisement class. I hear the department chair did an extraordinary job in finding him. And, and who is that again? <laughs> so thank you for joining us this time. I hope you'll join us next time. And I do just want to one little advertisement, if you will. Um, the Stepping Into CI website is fully up and running, steppingintoci.com. And our subscription service is up. Thank you if you are supporting us already. Your support um, goes to the website to keep it up and running and helps us do what we're doing now, making sure all the resources are available and to ensure that we can continue to provide some of these things for free. Um, so thank you very much. If you haven't and you want to check it out, steppingintoci.com, you can click on the menu and go to subscription, see exactly what's being offered, um, and, and check it out for yourself. So thank you and uh, join us next time.